Welcome back to the discussion phase. This is our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, Brady. I'm Matthew. And on today's episode, Matthew and I are drawing lines in the sand between board gamers and board game adjacent activities. That's right. And we'll also have some big, big surprises in store. So as always, stay tuned and buckle up. Matthew, I got a knock on my door today. You did? Yes. Was this someone bringing you the good news? Uh, not, well, uh, good news of a sorts. And he was wearing brown pants, this individual. Did he happen to work for a, an international mail carrier? Yes. It was the old UPS, which is, do you know what that stands for? United, United Postal Service. <laughs> Partial service. Partial service. Partial. I don't know if it's you. Know. Well, Brady, what what have you been waiting for? So, many, many moons. Yeah, we you you listened to the episode last week. We got in a forty pound package of board games that is oath sworn. Um, we'll put some pictures up on the gram. Matthew came over. We unboxed the whole thing together. It it's a lot of game, and um. I just, I have not had that much anticipation built up in me in as long as I can remember. It was, I like all, I got the notification yesterday. I I got the notification yesterday and it was like, it's going to be here tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And then today I've just been looking at my clock every two seconds. Yeah. Thankfully you were able to, to wait long enough to, uh, allow us to open it up together. Yeah. Um, but I mean, outside of maybe something like um, Cthulhu, like Cthulhu Wars, I mean, I don't think we have any other games that has this much content with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you say? Four Gloomhaven-ish size boxes? Yeah, they're a little smaller than Gloomhaven boxes, I, but they're not much. And yeah, like the terrain pack is very extra in this game. And it's like a, a whole other box. The houses are absolutely huge in them. They are scale to the actual miniatures. Um, and the miniatures, if you don't know, if you haven't been keeping up with both sworn have, um, like interchangeable arms and, mm-hmm. and, and our armory set for each character where you can swap out their weapons. And I was pretty excited about that, but like taking them out of the box and switching out some of the weapons and stuff. I was like even more excited. It just, the combinations just look so cool. The models are so interesting and dynamic looking. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited. To yeah. Now you've, you've, you've stated several times though, your intention is to do a lot of painting on this project. Painting. Yeah. I'm we'll, we'll see how much detail goes into it. I have had you guys like more or less choose your characters so that I don't have to paint the whole thing. And what I'll probably do at least initially is just like glue the base models together. Like their like main torso and stuff. Um, and then paint like one, you know, the one, the original set of arms or whatever. And then as we start to play it more, maybe I'll paint some of the other arms so we can switch out and whatnot. But 
for now, I'm probably going to keep it pretty minimal because I could spend years painting this game. Yeah. But uh, what has been kind of the running joke is just how long you've waited for this game. I know. Uh, I told, so, I told uh, <laughs> the UPS guy, I said, well, because he, he almost had a hernia pick getting it out of his truck. It was so heavy. And I was like, I've been waiting for this package for three years. And he was like, really? I was like, well, I hope it was worth the wait. I was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought it'd be fun to do a little little throwback. And so I went back and I looked, when did this actually kickstart? Uh, it was November 5th, 2019. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of take a little trip down memory lane, just remember oh what was life like in 2019. Back in 2019. Before the pandemic. Yeah, before the pandemic. So obviously uh, Trump was still president at the time. Um, but would you take a guess on the number one box office movie at the time when Oshorn was funded? Oh, uh, number one box office movie. It was a, probably some Marvel movie, right? No. At the, well, in November at the time, it was Frozen 2. Uh, really? Okay. Frozen 2 and okay. Ford v. Ferrari. Um, followed Gosh, by Terminator. It was a whole other world back then in 2019. And I know. Uh, would you take a guess on some of the top songs? I'm not good with songs, but what, man. Oh, uh, what about, what about like uh, this, these chain smoker songs? Any of those? I'm not seeing any chain smoker. <laughs> no, no, no chain smokers. What we do have is there's a, the Post Malone song Circles and then Lewis Capaldi, Someone You Loved were the top charting songs when yeah, Oswald was funded. I actually don't recognize those. You don't recognize those? Either okay. one of those. Um, do, you, do you know who won the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Tom Brady. No. So that, well, 2019, that 2019 season, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won their first Super Bowl with Patrick oh, Mahomes. that's right. Yeah, yeah, the Chiefs. Yep, and it was that year that the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard won the NBA Finals. Wow. So this is a little walk down memory line. A lot has changed. Yeah. Like this, that was all that was pre pandemic, pre Joe Exotic. I mean, I've had pre Joe Exotic. Yeah. Wow. That hit me right there. <laughs> Those other things didn't hit me as much. Pre Joe Exotic, that hit me. Yeah. I've had, I think, three, three different jobs since, since I backed Oatsworn. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's and I've moved since I backed Oathsworn. Uh, I told, I was joking about uh, the other day telling Tara, I said, I haven't been like this nervous about something in my whole life or whatever. And I said, uh, you know, except for our wedding day or whatever. And so she kind of chuckled and I said, but think about it. I have been waiting on Oathsworn longer than you and I dated before we got married mm -hmm. and we didn't we weren't like quick to get married we dated for like maybe two years a little over two years before we got married so yeah another funny thing i saw you know whenever you think of something that that's, that takes a long time um many things come to your mind one thing i don't know why but the one thing that always pops to my mind is you know elephants because elephants you may not have known this but the african elephant has the longest gestation period of any creature on earth to my knowledge okay and at least up 645 days is gestation period so for a little baby elephant to be born takes 645 days and osworn took 1029 days <laughs> since it was officially funded to make it to your door 
So that little elephant's got some, he's seen some stuff. By yeah, the time so you I almost could have had two oh, African elephants two born well, in that period. So it's just, it's crazy. Well, Over a thousand facts. days. Yep. All right. You got any, any more? No more fun, fun facts. It's facts. just, I just thought it would be, uh, just to put in perspective, just how long, like, I mean, we're only a couple months. It would have been from four years. Well, from three years on the date. Um, yeah. For it. So I mean, the, crazy. Big, the biggest thing that was happening in the world at the time of both sworn was the wildfires in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a big deal back then. Wild. And now we're, we're Russia's here, so. invaded the Ukraine. We've had a global <laughs> pandemic. So I, what I was said, Bray, I just hope this game <laughs> lives up to these big expectations yeah. that you have for it. Well, let's, let's get into some stuff we've actually played. I don't know when we're actually going to get Osworn to the table. I'm sure you're going to want to prep some stuff for it yep. hopefully it maybe next in, week yeah today yeah but let's get into some stuff that we've actually got played um now one one designer that we love around here good old boy martin wallace um a game we've had in the collection and uh, for a while is anno 18 or anno 1800 um yes. based on the popular uh video game i've played it before but you haven't played played it and i've always thought Man, this is a game that i think brady you specifically would like kind of with its main concept of kind of engine building it's it's not really tech trees per se but you're trying to get something to turn into something else mm-hmm. to turn into something else so if yeah. you're just i just want to know your initial you haven't really given me much thought on it you said that you liked it but give me some thoughts and some initial impressions or just kind of for those who may not familiar with it kind of what this game is yeah so it really i guess is an engine building game and like you said a, a te- sort of a tech tree engine building game so Essentially, you have a you have your own player board, but you have a mass uh, board in the middle with all kinds of materials and products, essentially. And so mm-hmm. you you start with those very basic materials, things like um, brick, wood. I guess your typical board game materials, and then you you can you know slowly turn that into like maybe you have wheat and wood and you can turn that into beer somehow i don't know um and then beer you can turn into other things um and so you kind of go from these very basic materials to sort of like an intermediary to all the way up to like very um big materials and you also have different workers that sort of work with those materials which is thematic they're like different skilled laborers yeah 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 they're like um, yeah, very like low skill laborers, kind of medium. And there's like, there's a bunch of different workers. So it's like, and then there's like overseers and stuff. So anyways, you are, um, what, what are you ultimately doing? You're, you're playing these cards. Are they people? Yeah. So essentially the game ends once someone has played their last population card. Population. So essentially card, you yeah. get a population card, uh, based on which workers you have available. So everyone starts with like eight, I believe. Uh, one thing in the game you can do is acquire new workers of different varying skill sets. And when you acquire a new worker, you get a new population card. And these cards are essentially objective cards that you play for victory points. They don't count against you. But the game only ends once someone has played their final population slash objective card. So it has a and really you can get more of them. So it's a really interesting thing that you want like your your initial kind of thought is i want to get my engine going as big as possible i want to get more workers and grow but by doing that you're also increasing the requirements that you have to do to trigger the end of the game now you don't have to be the one who triggers the end of the game to win but it's this interesting kind of decision you have to make at some point you're like okay 
I've, I've grown to the point to where I need to stop now and just complete the population cards that I have. Because there are actions you can do like exploring the new world, which will give you more population cards and doing other stuff. So it's like every time you are expanding upward with your growth, you're also expanding outward with the length of time it's going to take you to quote unquote trigger the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And so you have to like, when am I satisfied with my growth enough to be able to complete the objective cards that I've been escalating and gaining. Yeah. So it's a really interesting tension, but at the same time, you someone needs to end the game, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, do I feel comfortable ending the game now with how much I've done, or do I need to prolong the game to hopefully try to catch up? And you don't really know for sure. But the best part about this game is that, you know, only two of each kind of good or industry talk can be built among the four of us. So it's all based on building ships that allow you to exhaust trade tokens to use yeah, what other yeah. people have built. And so, yeah, so uh, later on... Uh, kind of becomes more efficient to trade resources rather than like building Build. up to that one yourself. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get really cheeky when you have a resource that's in pretty high demand that no one else has. And so everyone kind of comes to you yeah. for that resource. So that kind of gives you an upper hand. That yeah. part I, I really did like. Yeah, which you were doing fantastic because every time someone trades with you, which essentially they're just able to use that symbol yeah. to, to complete objectives. They sort of they give, give you, you gold a, yeah. and that gold token is then used to um, kind of reset or force your workers to stay yeah. out longer. It's sort of like little bonus, yeah. bonus tokens. Because all your workers, you you take them from a available pool, then you put them onto different buildings. But then they're stuck there until you have like a, they call it a festival, but it's really a reset where yeah. all of your workers unlock, they go back and rest and now they can reset. But you mm -hmm. can use gold to just force a worker to essentially overwork. <laughs> yeah. So it's a way to work continue taking act because essentially a festival is a wasted action because you yeah. don't, outside of resetting, you don't get anything else out of it. So you, it's kind of like in Concordia, right? It's the Concordia same kind of- and um, like Century Spice Road. Yeah, it's like theoretically you could reset every other turn if you wanted to, but that's very yeah. inefficient. So you're trying to yeah. chain things off or kind of copy other people's cards in the Concordia to- I had, I had a couple of heartbreaking, actually really just one heartbreaking moment where I like had most of my workers available to use, but I needed like one specific thing. And so even though I've only used two workers out of like 15 or something, I had to reset, um, which was heartbreaking. But um, overall thoughts, I think this one falls maybe just above okay for me. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for that is because it's a game that I think I, even even with saying that, I think I enjoyed it maybe more than the other people at the table. Excuse me. And it 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 has kind of an okay production, and so this is one that I would I would put in that Royals category, where mm -hmm. I like it, but it is difficult me to convince other people to like it and even to play it and yeah. so for that reason i think it would it would fall i think it would just be hard to get it to the table it's and i guess i think i think with you all you know and we also have so many games that we're wanting to play right now that there was nothing really exceptional about this game it was solid but nothing exceptional and so that's a really hard place for a game to be existing. Yeah, in. because everything worked like mechanically. It made yeah. sense. It for flowed. Very smooth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once obviously when you first look at all this, it's like there's a lot of 
tiles and pieces, yeah. but the actual concept is you allocate a worker to be able to gain a new resource generating type tile. And that's kind of the main flow. And then it's all an efficiency puzzle. I think, and it all works very well, but I don't know that there is anything, one thing about it that just jumps out as like, this is something unique or this is something that hasn't been done before. I felt, mm -hmm. I mean, it was cool because I mean, it has some interesting things you can add onto your board, which allows you to add more tiles and you kind of have this sense of growing expansion. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy the idea of like, you know, it, it's more efficient for me to trade for this resource than to go through three steps to build it myself. Yeah. And I think those are interesting decisions. Yeah, I love it was the very, a lot of interesting decisions, a lot of kind of different routes you can take because you can do like a more, um, you know, there's, there's trade ships, but there's also like these combat ships that help you do certain things in the game. And you can kind of diverge into one of those two routes and, and do different things. So yeah, yeah it's And there's global objectives too. And we just played yeah. the base kind of starter suggested sets, but there's actually like four or five combination of, of different cards to have a more uh, aggressive game, to have a higher scoring point game, to have a more trade focused game. So like you can cater your play style to the type of global objectives you point out as yeah. well, but if this one had instead of those little tiles had 3D buildings, the whole thing, the whole thing, I think that would really turn it up for me. You're trolling me, Brady. And it, it <laughs> caught, I think it needs to cost around two two fifty. Yeah, something that, like that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's a solid game. I don't have any negative criticisms yeah, for it. But it doesn't like if you ask me right now, like of ranking some of the Martin Walls games we played recently between that Tenor's Trail and. The brasses, brass would be top. I'd put Tenor's Trail above this. I definitely put this above Tenor's Trail. Tenor's Trail was garbage. I need to find someone else who likes the game just for <laughs> some level of redemption yeah. um, for it. But yeah, and so we we got that played. Um, and I, I it had been a while since we had done it, but it's it definitely it's. I haven't played the video game, so I don't know what kind of can, carries yeah. over. And while they're not here to defend themselves, John. And Jacob sparked quite the fire in me uh, while we were playing this game by um, claiming that this artwork, which looks like something someone just screenshotted and copy and pasted off of the video game, or like a, a worse, like it's like a three D render, game, like a mobile game. They just look really cheesy and really like Simsy kind of thing, um, and claimed that this artwork looked just like if not better than the original libertalia artwork which we talked about in our our artwork episode not that long ago and matthew you know they were being ridiculous in claiming that and you were not you weren't choosing my side which i found personally offensive <laughs> i didn't i didn't care i was trying I to focus on winning the game on my side okay when two people are gaining up on me like that i need you i'll always okay? support you brady yeah, and right. so we got that played, and it's still it's all, and they're crazy. Just I would just right agree with me. Yeah, they're crazy. You, they're crazy. They're crazy. Okay, we you. also got another play of Star Stars of Icarus in, and this time we were able to actually start some of the more the seventh uh, continent, seventh citadel inspired type of world yeah, exploration. We got out of the ships. We got out of the ships, and there was some crazy stuff going down in our research base. Is all <laughs> yeah, we'll say. Yeah. No spoilers. But I have been ever. I know these type of games of flip over that you have. You're on a tile on a card and you have two different directions you have action points and some health that you can spend and then you choose things on the card to interact with and i've never really played a game like that before and so this our stars of Akarios incorporates that mechanic into it 
for world exploration. Um, and I thought it was really cool. It felt immersive. Like you decided which corridor you go down to. And I went through yeah. it. I found a secret passageway and there was a bloody body in the corner. I was like, do yeah. I go to the computer to do you some research? Do some checks and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, and I thought it was really kind of a interesting kind of immersive game style that actually made me really excited for the new, um, Oh, sworn. Not, no, not Osworn, but, um, um, the Tana Grail, the new Kings of Ruin, which is kind of like Tana Grail 2.0. It incorporates that system a lot. Oh, um, is, is that is that already kickstarted? Or it's on. It's a preview on GameFound. It has like over thirty three thousand people have followed it, which okay. is insane. Because the next highest one that's on, Awaken Realms, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Awaken Realms. So I have a feeling this is going to be because essentially they've taken everything they learned from rules for because this this Tana Grail came out before Ether Fields yeah. and before a lot of their other ones here and Tana so they was one of the other ones like I said when um when we've talked about this one before and I thought I've talked about like waiting for that game Tana Grail was one of the other ones that I was I was like is this the one and I decided to pass on it yeah but hopefully I mean so it got me excited for that kind of world exploration. Do I go left? Do I go right? Oh, I see something here with a number on it. Do I engage with it? What were your thoughts on that kind of that mechanic or that type of gameplay? Because I don't know if you've done, you don't really have any games like that that I know of either. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Um, I, you know that I, I love the story aspects of games. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that killed me with Gloomhaven was we would, read one little tiny card, make one little tiny decision. And that was kind of it. I do, I do really like that. There are two very distinctive like play styles in this game. One of them is in space doing space battles. The other one, we have minis and we're walking around a space base or, you know, who knows what we could be doing in the future. You were still in the prologue, just kind of opening a little setup. And so that did like stars or the, just the space combat. I was kind of like, a little meh on it, was, it seems a little basic but once we got those out i was like okay this this could make it a little more interesting and could really open up the like it, story paths in the game it gives more context to the space combat and yeah. what we're doing with it and what i love so so much about it is so easy to to break out do a quick you know exploration mission or space combat mission or two and then put it up and you're done in 45 60 minutes which is, is great for a heavy kind of miniature skirmish um, competitive game there. Um, one other game that got played just real quick, want to mention uh, this weekend. I don't know if you 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 have a copy, copy of this, I believe, but we've never really played it before, um, and that's Keyforge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of blanked. Yeah, the yeah, card game. Yeah, the card game. Now, I played this back a, a year or two ago, just once in passing, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's nifty, but um, I've been kind of really kind of looking more into deck builders here lately yeah you know speaking of uh last night we were kind of deciding on what games are going to play while john was away and matthew asked to play dominion well this is the reason why is because i we had played keyforge now keyforge is in a deck builder but it kind of simulates a pre uniquely generated deck builder for those who don't know it's the same um same guy behind um Magic the Gathering, but the purpose of this game is, you know, let's. I wanted we wanted to get away from people finding these new metas and these new optimum cards and people hunting them down and building these decks and then someone copying that deck and there's just 
you lose sense of the the creative gameplay. It's just people trying to find optimal stuff, just to yeah, yeah. broken stuff to beat you. And so how this game works is there's new seasons that come out like every year or so. There's some and there's different factions. Essentially, there's so many cards in each season, but every deck they sell of however many cards are in a deck, 25, 30 cards. They're all, every deck is going to be unique. There's no other yeah. identical Which deck. Which is a fascinating concept. Let's repeat that. So they release these decks, thousands of them, thousands upon thousands, and they, every deck is 100% unique. So yeah. they have some crossover cards between decks, but no deck has the exact same set of cards. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I remember everyone was just like going bonkers. Yeah. Over this um, cause I ever saw this article cause well, kind of the, the status is Keyforge has kind of been dead yeah. uh, for the past years or year really? or two because they, I don't know if fantasy flight, flight has just kind of just, just dropped the ball on it. Well, fantasy and it's flight, Richard, sorry, it was Richard Garfield is who I was talking about earlier with magic, the gathering. Well, fantasy flight in a lot of ways, I don't know what happened. Maybe we need to kind of dig into this a little bit more in a future episode. But it just seems like Asmodee bought Fantasy Flight and just put it on the back burner. It. Yeah, it's like this because they were talking about this at, at Gen Con, like how Fantasy Flight usually had was has a huge presence. And I don't remember them do, being there at all. They weren't. And I don't think. I think they. I think they were there, but like in a very small way. Yeah, it was just like it was so weird. Asmodee acquired Fantasy Flight and just dismantled. Because when it's I first so got into weird. the hobby, Fantasy Flight was the pinnacle yes. of of like X Wing of like, of. of not just fantasy, but like thematic gaming. Yeah. They were Star the pinnacle Wars, of that. Lord of the Rings. They had yeah. all the IPs. But it's crazy because uh, I know this is a little old, but you know there was an article from August 2020, so it's you know, literally two years ago. But at that point, they had sold more than two million decks. At that point, yeah. and all these are completely, completely unique. Um, and there's been a, a handful of different uh, seasons. The first one was. They call the Archons and Age of Ascension, Worlds Collide, Mass Mutations. And then the most recent one that was released in 2021 was Dark Tidings, which is a starter set that John bought, which is really cool. You can buy a starter set, two unique decks, so two people can play. It's a two-player game. It gives you some play mats, but this is interesting. They're they're printed like they're paper, so you like fold them out. Yeah. Play mats. And they have official ones you can get. But then you can buy booster decks, which essentially they're still all unique. So what you, you can't take a card you like from one deck. And add into another card. They all have their own unique backs on them, yeah. which and is a really all, cool concept. They all have procedurally generated names for the decks, which and can artwork be quite too. Funny, yeah, they're yeah. quite funny. They had like an adjective and all the different stuff <laughs> yeah. with them. Um, but the reason why I wanted to, I said, John, let's just play. I want to interest. I'm interested because um, the Keyforge IP has been bought back from um, from Fantasy Flight. Um, it's been bought. It's not Richard Garfield, you know, doesn't own it or anything, but uh, it's been bought back. And so they're coming out with a new entire kind of season. But what's really cool is it's, it's on game found. It's on a, um, just a preview. What you are able to do is you can have your own custom deck of Keyforge, your own name, your own artwork, your own play mat with that name on and stuff as part of like the rewards tier huh. for the new season and stuff. And if um, this is on like Kickstarter or something. It's on it's come game found for a preview. But if there's anyone who's interested in uh Keyforge, I think there's two new factions that are coming to it this season. There's two old factions so that are coming back. This is another thing that just got robbed from Fantasy Flight. They bought it, but well, they weren't doing anything with what it. What is happening right now? I the, like I used Fantasy Flight was amazing. They yeah. now, they produced a Game of Thrones board game like yeah, and so it, yeah, games. so well, the person who bought it was Christian Peterson, who was the one of the founders of Fantasy Flight. 
he started his own company called Ghost Galaxy. And so it's one of the people who was over Fantasy Flight. He's like, we can do something with this. Yeah, so yeah. he bought it. So they're adding some new new kind of factions, houses. They're bringing back some old ones. Um, you can buy all the stuff, but you can actually get your own custom name. Like this is this is yeah. Matthew the Magnificent Marvelous Space <laughs> yeah, Faction, yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. Now you don't know what all the cards are going to be in it, but it's like it's yours, and then you can get a matching playmat of its art and the name of your house yeah, or faction cool. and stuff. So it's really cool. But it, the thing is, like to go back and buy those old seasons to so buy a twelve deck booster pack for some of those seasons are 80 90 bucks because oh. they're just i'm assuming they're just out of print yeah that's not quite as much as i would expect for something but still like for print. 12 yeah. decks of cards from there's like 50 decks of cards in oath sworn <laughs> it only cost only took millions, an hour to uh millions of dollars but that, that but i saw that there and it looked uh interesting and i enjoyed it got me back in deck builders and like i said that's not a deck builder but it gives you some feelings of it, but I was like, man, I want to get more deck builder. So I asked Brady, he's like, bring Dominion to game night. Like this is a game you always talk about as being like the best straightforward deck builder, but you didn't, you didn't even bring it. I was like, Brady, this is your opportunity. People are on board to play Dominion. Yeah. I still like Dominion. Dominion is one of those games that I would like, it's so accessible that I would, I would rather play it with, um, you know, some some non gamer yeah. folks. But I did I did end up buying because we played it before. But I bought Eternal uh, Chronicles of the Throne base yeah. game and expansion and by Direwolf. I Dire really Wolf. like that. I think if I had to choose between, um, a, like playing Eternal and Keyforge, I would probably just do Eternal. I like I like the idea that we can all be playing like this collectible ish um, card game together fighting each other yeah and the thing is we've only ever played eternal at like three to four players where you kind of the the combat is like we're kind of attacking each other in a circle but uh you can also play it two players so it's just back and forth with it um but you know keach forge you're not building your deck but so eternal it gives me a lot of that same vibes but you're building your deck you're acquiring cards from a market you're building up your resource like money engine similar yeah. to dominion um in the expansion you have like your own like special set of high-powered like ultimate cards that you have to build up to get yeah, your own yeah. currency to acquire those things um so i don't know why but like deck builders have just really been exciting me more here lately because i've been asking let's play more dune imperium yeah. and i'm like and why do i want to play the essential deck builder right lost runes of arnak lost runes of arnak well brady people change over time and my thoughts on arnak has changed that one. i know i'm never gonna walk that back that statement arnak is a deck manager yeah, All right. a hand manager. A hand manager. Um, yeah. But like, okay. Dune, but Di the thing is, like, Direwolf also did Dune Imperium, which is all about the deck building, and so it's not all about the deck building. Oh, it is. It's like twenty five percent deck. Building. Well, the thing is, I, the reason why Dune Imperium has grown grown in my heart is that I can win the game focusing on deck building, or at least have a have I have won it, and I have a, I feel I feel competitive focusing on the deck building part deck of the building. game. Yeah, which is which makes me love the game more. Um, and I've, I've been looking at it, a lot of other ones. There's like Aeon's Ends. There's Shards of Infinity. There's some yeah. other... Well, don't get too crazy over there. We still have a lot, a of, lot games of games to play. Well, that was saying is like, they just seem a little farther out there. Oh, I like, okay. I, I hate key terms in games where you yeah, have to I have a, a huge glossary where things book. things are like... What's target like, lock? Like haste or... Oh you know, my gosh. Has, this has vigilance or yeah, whatever. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, or they have the the, sh the Shroud of Shadows. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, what does that mean? Well, if you turn your reference card to page three, you look at the Shrouds and this interacts with the haste ability. 
and I hate that. So Keyforge has a little bit of that, but it's it's minimal and it's consistent. Like Keyforge is key oh, terms is, you know is, is one be card. Adding over, they're yeah. gonna be adding Eternal over. has some, but it it's like one card reference. So I I okay with that, but I just hate looking at all these key terms. I like I don't want to have to think about a glossary. I want to think about how the I'm game. playing the game. Okay. Well, it. speaking of collectible card games, yeah. let's move into our main topic. Now, which, our our title for the episode was a little bit of a a little bit of a troll. Yeah. Clickbait. It's very clickbait. We'll admit yeah, this yeah. is a very clickbait move. So we're gonna we're, like I said in the intro, we're gonna be drawing lines here. Um, there there are a lot of things out there that get confused with board games, um, and I would argue, as an elitist board gamer that I am that they are not board games, that you are not a board gamer. Um, and so let's just go through some of these things. Like what are some things on the outskirts of board gaming or maybe board games is on the outskirts of it uh, that that is close to board games but not quite? Well, one you brought up, which I thought was very interesting, was especially we've talked about a lot here with the, uh, the Queen's Gambit, but that's chess. Chess. Now, by its very basis of the definition, chess is a game and, and it's played it's on got a board. A, and it does have a board. Yeah. And some may say if you put those words together, it makes game board. Game board, yeah. So why but why would we say um that so, chess is not board game? So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Cause like the whole purpose of this is we're looking at um because Brady always, you know, you you give these examples of you know, when people, they ask you, hey, what do you enjoy doing? You say board games, and they're always like, oh, you like playing chess, or you like... Yeah, well, no, it's usually you don't... Every now and then you'll get chess, um, and chess got significantly more mainstream with Queen's Gambit. I know that you kind of hate on that show, but that show did wonders for chess. Like, the chess world... It, exploded after did, that did show. you know and i saw this at gen con because they were selling a lot of these popular ip games there is a queen's gambit board game do you know what the game is not about chess it's Are not you serious? the game is not chess but there's a queen's gambit board game wow. where it's, it's like how do you make a how do you make a board game I'm, out of the queen's gambit I'm shocked that they didn't somehow make a queen's yeah. gambit chess board or chess set um so, anyways, and and chess has gotten really big. I've even seen our boy Magnus Carlson. I do follow chess just a teensy bit. Don't ask me too many questions about it, but I do. Magnus Carlson, if you don't know, is kind of heralded as the greatest chess player ever right now. Um, and he is also getting into poker a little bit, which I find fascinating because chess, it, chess and poker are just such a battle of the minds type of thing, and you know, with a lot of, like, we can have big brain moves with board games and we like some heavier games, but chess is on a another level. And people sort of equate people like Magnus Carlsen, and I would say rightly so, as like these, these gr- greater than human beings that just can do wild stuff. Um, like one of the things I saw him do, or I watched the video on, was he... Um, he like blindfolded played like 15 people in chess and won all of the games. Well, Brady, we call those people aliens. Yeah. I'm aliens among us. And so there's that. And then another (laughs) fascinating video, and you guys can look this up if you want to, that I saw is this person would set up a chess board essentially in 
um, a certain way. And Magnus would name off the top of his head by just seeing the board, uh, like the game that that was played. So yeah. he would be like, oh, well, this board was such and such versus such and such in 1972 Yeah, because chess is infamous for what they call like different strategies or historical plays or historical moves like and people get they're they're named and so this is like a blank opening or you would call this the blank kind of moves or Uh, queen's Queen's gambit Gambit. yeah and so (laughs) there's a lot of like like the actions you do are are labeled like same thing as sportsman something is called a hell mary or something like that yeah yeah. and so he can see just the board game the the oh chess board yeah. game and what's so, the, so but what was so funny about that one scenario is they set up which i think this was based on uh maybe another game which is is possibly why but they set up the harry potter board state at the end of the harry potter potter movie and he was able to accurately go that's the harry potter game yeah that's, that's insane yeah well not to to lament too much on magnus here um, but I would love to do so. So in your mind, so let's look at a very classic game when people identify as a, probably most people would associate with a board game. Why do you feel like chess would not count or be considered? That's not a that's not board gaming. Yeah. So I just feel like chess is in its own realm. Like it really has ascended um, to like a higher plane of like I almost I I would equate chess to a sport before I would equate it to a board game. You know what I'm saying? Like board games are something you do on a very casual level for the most part. You do it for fun, for friends. Um, and like chess, you, you practice and you study and you do that. And while some weirdos out there, (coughs) Matthew Grimm will study and look up the optimal BGG strats for some games, not on the level that, like people, you don't read board game books. Like people, famous chess players have written board game books, and and you read those and study those if you're trying to be a a padawan in the chess world. Yeah, and it's just not the same thing. When I think of you know chess and these elite players and stuff, it really in my mind I picture the same process they have to do to get there as someone would have to be to be a world level. You consider the best like guitarist in the world, like you know. Like something like someone like a Steve Vai who do like otherworldly things that mere mortals can't comprehend yeah, yeah. type thing. And it's almost become a, of an art yeah, or yeah. life that they live. So I was claiming that we as elitists are board gamers and, you know, chess isn't a board game. Really, it's the, only, the, the other way around. We are not cool enough to be like considered chess players. Yeah. Not necessarily the other way around. Yeah. So, so I wanted to give you some games that typically people will associate and they'll say, you know, we're talking about like, well, you're not a board gamer. And what that, when I would say is like, that's not really board gaming. Um, there's kind of a, a line in the sand of like, this is kind of a game that brings modern sensibilities to mechanics, to designs, um, to how everything from art and production. But here's some games I just want to throw at you. You tell me if you think they are a board game, if they're not a board game and why or why not either way. So here's one. This one, I, this one I, I always kind of argue with people over, and this is Trivial Pursuit. Now, when people think of, oh, it's family night, it's, we're going to get a, a game together with a family, let's play a board game. Someone's always like, let's play Trivial Pursuit. And there's all there's a million different variations from kids' versions yeah. to adults to different themes. I mean, I would I, the easy answer is no, and I wouldn't necessarily consider straight-up trivia 
to be a board game. Like it's somewhat popular for like restaurants and bars to do trivia nights, which is Mm -hmm. more or less like trivial, trivial pursuit. And like, yeah, if you, if you say, Oh, I go to trivia night all the time, I'd be like, that's great, but you're not a board gamer. Okay. Um, well, so what's what's the difference? Because I think we could always say, well, hey, let's play some board games, but there may be some games we play that might not actually have a physical board with them, right? Um, let, a game I love, you know, that had, includes art is When I Dream. You don't really have a board when you're playing that. You have cards. They have art on them. Yeah, yeah. But I would still consider that a modern gaming. Yeah, yeah. So well, under let's the go, we can go over another major category of not board gamers and that is dungeons and dragons players so this is uh dnd role-playing and actually i it's really not related but i did see a video recently from shut, shut up, up and, and sit, sit down, down. Mm-hmm. Yep. i saw that too. i guess you saw it too they did like they released like time one- to get into role-playing type yeah. of video and they talk about and they talk about it from the perspective of board gamers getting into role playing. Um, and, and this is another one where, where really role playing is still a lot bigger than board games. Oh, yeah. And critical role, role has their own, you know, don't animated series. Yeah, those are they have celebrities their own, at this point. Yeah. They, they had their role, own clue. Did you see that? The critical role clue? I did not see that. Yep. But, Role uh, role players in D and D have had their show. Um, they got Stranger Things that like launched them into mainstream. Have you for, seen the new trailers for the Dungeon Dragons movie? Uh, maybe. Chris um, Pine. Chris Pine's the main actor in it. I think I have. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, in it's essentially these are characters, just generic. You know, everything from a thief to. Um, um, Someone who changes shape and stuff, and different animals. What do you call? Yeah, whatever you call those people. Um, but there's literally set in the world of like the, the actual Dungeons and Dragons, like the creatures and things that they're doing. There's the there's a treasure chest that opens up and has teeth and try to eat them. There's what is it like? So it's a an it's owlbear. About, it's about like are are role players involved in the movie? No, it's okay. essentially these are just these are fantasy characters. Okay, but these fantasy characters take the tropes of traditional. Dungeons and Dragons, like the official Dungeons and Dragons lore, okay, gotcha. to things they're encountering are, are very popular Dungeons and Dragons um, stuff, like from creatures to items to everything they're doing. Yeah. And so it, it's it's the it's the actual yeah, movie. Yeah. So for that. again, like let's you know, and I I have had this conversation several times. They're like, oh, what do you like to do? And I say I love board games, and they say, oh, you you mean like D and D? And I say. You say no. <laughs> if I'm being nice, I'll say eh, kind of. But, um, but yeah. I do you consider these? Do you consider these the same thing or not? Where, no. do, you, where do you draw the line here? No, and I, and I don't want to come across like we're better than Dungeon Dragons because no, I again, part of me wishes I could get into it more, and yeah. we we are trying to. We, I'm I keep nagging on John. John is in charge of being our master of knowledge. Yeah, because uh, we have the, the one ring. Answer. We have the one ring one shot RPG. We have the alien. Um, one shot RPG that we wanting to to try out because those are two IPs that we really love and enjoy. So we're trying to dip our toes a little bit into more into more. And I think you know in a lot of ways, um, role playing can give players who are doing it a lot more rewarding experiences than just playing board games can. 
because uh, really I think it's a deconstruction of what a board game could be um, is Dungeons yeah. and Dragons or any kind of RPG because you're 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 you have a progression you have a start a middle and end you're you you have mechanics but they're they're very loose they're very created by the the dungeon master or the characters um, yeah and it's it's way more so collaborative storytelling than necessarily winning yeah. the like the job of the dean or of the um, the dungeon master is to like make sure everyone has a good time not necessarily to make them win or lose you know like uh, i like being a good dungeon master is a very very fine road that you have to walk um and yeah so again this is this isn't necessarily like we the board game community wishes we could be as cool as the role-playing community um and i i don't know about you but i it continues to surprise me who plays dungeons and dragons my sister who i would not consider a board gamer has a regular D group did my you just sister, find out about this no she she's played it for a while but every single time she tells me i'm like mind blown i'm like you have a D group i just i forget it every time because she's I, she is has been an athlete all of her life um she's in uh, she's in residency, so she's kind of always doing doctor stuff. Yeah, and then she just plays Dungeons and Dragons on the side, which is because I think what it, what it boils down to is how we may view something like we were talking about chess. Like that's just another tier of level for for an average person who is just outside looking in on any of this. Like all of this for an average person is is gaming, right? This is just one big envelope. But when you look at it, what we do may be considered more elitist because they say, well, before you can sit down and enjoy spending time playing my game, regardless of what form it is, for us to this, we have 25 pages of deep text from a French designer whose name is <laughs> Luigi. I'm sorry, that's very insensitive. That'd be Italian. Oh, I, I love my Italian designers. But what I'm saying is like, here's a 25-page rule book, or you can listen to me talk for 45 minutes. And like, we have so many barriers to entry to do what we do for fun or to be able yeah. to experience what you're to be allowed into the experience and allowed into the fun. You have to go through these barriers, but yeah. hey, not to we, mention the cost, which people still to this day think of a $40 board game being very expensive. Yeah. And but, with D and D you buy one starter pack, it's all happening in your mind. And yeah. so but I'm saying like for someone like your sister and I don't, I've never met her, but she say, Hey, I don't have to prep really anything for going into this. I can, I can show up and I can instantly be a part of what everyone else mm -hmm. is doing and in, and in get that same level of enjoyment as someone else who's been doing this for three years. Yeah. Whereas someone who wanted to come in and play, you know, what we considered even kind of an average kind of midweight game that we enjoy, they're not going to get the same value out of it. They're not going to get the same reward out of it because the investment for that initial play, let alone experience, like the, the experience, the time invested in experience to get fun out is much higher investment costs for what we call modern board gaming. And I think that to me is one delineating kind of factor of what kind of separates something like role playing from board gaming. And then for whatever we do board game to something like chess is like, there's very clear lines of, uh, and it's not saying like you can't come in, but there's like, there's a barriers or thresholds you have to cross to be able to even get in to even enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause yeah. they, we could kind of put this into another kind of medium. Let's just say, um, I was thinking, you know, I was, I was trying to think of an analogy just, just then. And 
I was thinking about like different sports, but I was like, eh, that's not quite right because they're all sort of, even though they they have very different mechanics and rules and things like that, they're all bound together by like sports, physical activity. I was thinking of like this might sound a little different, but my wife was in orchestra, and it's like orchestra versus the band. Yeah, well, and that's what I was, like, I was. I was literally about to do a music reference. Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's like, hey, we can just get together with the guys in the garage, and we can just play some instruments, right? And there could be a li- very little overhead for investment or worry or thought. We just go straight into enjoying versus like, hey, you need to show up for this, you know, court, not a quartet, but, you know, we're playing with the orchestra or a symphony mm-hmm. and your level of investment to get any kind of reward out of it is head and shoulders above anything else. You got to be able do. to read sheet music, not just be able to play a couple of chords. Play by ear, have these yeah. memorized. And, right, and, and that's kind of what it is. Like you can, you can jump into fun with your friends something like role playing, or you're going to have to, to spend investment and time. And yeah, you may get a higher level reward, but is that worth the investment that you want to put into for some people that it just speaks to them, right? For whatever reason, board gaming and that structure and that rule set and hard barriers appeals more to me than the open nature. And that's always been a, something like with role playing type games is that I, I, I get frustrated or get lost in the confusion of like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be doing? I don't feel like maybe I have control over what's going on. Yeah. My, again, I, I have tried to get into role playing, um, a couple of times. My wife, Tara plays, um, they play, uh, with a group. Um, sometimes they play in person. Sometimes they play sort of, uh, like screen time with each other. Um, and they, I have played with them a couple of times, but every time I play like D and I'm, I'm like, why am I not playing Skyrim? And I think it is because I want to have this, I want to explore the world and understand the story. And I feel like it would just be me. Like I would be annoying because I would want to just keep engaging with the DM and be like, well, what is happening? Like literally just having a conversation with the DM, like this random NPC character. And I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, and so for me, it's like, no, I, if I want that experience, I'm just going to play Skyrim or. Yeah. But we do, Witcher we do crave like a lot that. of these stories in the thematic and we do enjoy, we talk about all the time. We enjoy decisions or branching trees, which does mm-hmm. have a lot of influences in Dungeon Dragon. Oathsworn, exactly. And so we, we've been focusing and looking at more games that incorporate aspects that make mm. Dungeons & Dragons appealing for the fun factor, but it also is more in our comfort zone of a rules and structured uh, format. I can yeah. reference I can reference what we're doing on page nine of this encounter rulebook. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. Well, so another one, we've got two more. Um, and we you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but let's... Uh, collectible card games. So this is your, the big one, Magic the Gathering. We got Pokemon. We got Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and those are probably the only three I know. So let me, have, have you ever been into any sort of collectible card game? So some people would call me a collector of board games. I consider myself a player, but I have always had a inclination for collecting things or finding things and holding on to them. But for whatever reason, I never really got into the whole Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. Those were two huge ones when I was in school. Yeah. Um, and sometimes some friends would give me some of their Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I thought it was just the coolest thing that I could have something and collect. I didn't even know how to play the game, yeah. right? And so that was... That the, was like 90% of the children I grew up with 
collected the cards but had no idea how to play the game. Yeah, and so to me that that almost kind of speaks where that line in the sand is is almost the desire to to acquire and to build out and to own and to look at more than it is to play. Because yeah. uh, I don't, I've never met anyone who actually is sat down and at least that I know that actually like played a full game of Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon and like yeah, yeah. played correct rules and did it correctly. Have, do, you want uh, you want me to dig up the old Pokemon cards? We can play right after this. Do you have the holographics? Yeah, I got a full <laughs> set of them up there. Five hundred thousand booster box starter set. Um, but those were two really big ones. Um, I know the Lord of the Rings has a collectible card game as well. I know John. Um, has that well, um, and I, so I will say let's so very few people. I think this is one of them that, in some ways, board gamers are the cool kids compared to these. The other, like chess, was the cool kids. Um, what was the what was the other one we just we literally just talked about? Role playing is the cool kids, and here, if you put a group of board gamers in a group of Magic the Gatherings. It'd be close, but I would say the board games were the cool kids. I think Magic, while it is incredibly popular and uh, very successful and definitely keeps a lot of um, local game stores and everything in business, uh, I think one of the things is that they have not had their major TV show or major movie. Like, I think if... I think if Magic had something that came out that was very successful, it would it would launch it up there close to, um, you know, close to chess where chess is now, and close to role playing. You'd be seeing a lot more popular YouTube channels and things like that coming out. Yeah, about Magic. Um, but yeah, as it stands, yeah. Magic is still it's still sort on of seen as and, like and a board this, game geek is still the highest ranked what they would consider collectible slash trading card games yeah um, but it's like it's pretty far down the list 158 right? yeah 158. so i mean other games are like star wars destiny key forge is considered it you know, there's net runner there's been some sec second editions of net runner uh there's um star wars the customizable card game lord of the rings the trading card game um pokemon's on here as well um yeah, and I would so a lot of there's the Game of Thrones collectible card game, and I know that I've seen that a lot online. Did well, you ever look into getting into that? Well, so I think what you're talking about is the not collectible. There's living card games, and those well, this one's literally called the actual name of it is a Game of Thrones collectible card game. Okay, well I don't know what that one is, but I know the probably the more popular one is the the Fantasy Flight's living card game, and I would. There is, squish, there is there is a living card game as well. Yeah, I would squish living card games into the board game category. Like, they they are much more of a, a game rather than this dueling competition thing. Um, but on the, on the sort of positive of Magic the Gathering, it is so popular that they have had, like, tournaments that have some, like, big money prizes in it. Yeah. And that's both a good thing because, like... It, it gets people to actually play and it kind of gives it some notoriety. Um, but it's a bad thing because it makes people, it kind of gives sort of like in the video game world, it, ma it makes kind of like a toxic community. And that's one of the complaints that I hear a lot about um, Magic the Gathering is people can be very sort of toxic-y and try-hardy and stuff. And so 
we do get people from these different groups into board gaming. And yeah, we've had some, what I might call like magic refugees that come and they're like, I just wanted to spend time with some friends instead of like some sweaty tryhards who just want to be, have the best deck or whatever. And obviously this is, you know, for someone who's, I've not been in that world, uh, but it just seems to me like it's almost more about the collecting and an ownership process uh, more than it is the playing. And it can also be, I, I've had a few friends in the magic world and they can all, and John would attest to this if he was on here. Um, but it can also be like a, a legit financial investment. People can, Oh yeah. Can they believe invest. it's going to be worth something. Well, I mean, it's not, not, not even that they believe like they can invest in a, in a deck or in a set of cards and it can appreciate over time. And people will be like, Oh, I sold this deck for a profit. I've heard that. I, I think while I wouldn't necessarily invest in it, I find it fascinating that that is a thing. I guess it's a good thing that we haven't gone into it because that's the last thing we need is another expensive hobby. And I do have my old Pokemon cards, but not that they're going to be worth uh, too, too much, but I would, I'd never sell them. They are, they are too precious to me. Well, if you, if you're not too worried about damaging them, we could break them out sometime. Yeah. You're going to have to teach me the rules because I have no idea how, (laughs) I know you have energy points and stuff like that. Aren't you? It's it's like a baby magic the gathering. Okay. So real quick, the question is, you know, we, we say this in jest, you know, you're not a board gamer, but what, what would you say to somebody or what do you think things about board gaming that could appeal to, let's say, a collectible card or trading card person somewhere in the magic adjacent vein um, to where you think this is something that could bring them over to board gaming and they may enjoy, but maybe enjoy a little bit more? Because I think people who are into card in like the magic type stuff are very competitive. Like mm-hmm. they enjoy a lot of and the they gameplay. Love combos. And I think another thing that magic players like um, and the next one I want to get into, which is wargaming, is this, and actually really I, really human beings in general, because role-playing, you could say this too, is a sense of identity. And mm-hmm. like with magic, they have the different And the consensus of community, and in, in also just in general, like a community, like, hey, this is the group that gets together on yeah. Saturday for magic. But there's like, in a lot of these things, there's, so in magic, there's colors, and the colors have different sort of, personalities and um play styles and and play styles and like identities and stuff and so people kind of identify as you know like a like the red faction or the or the black faction or whatever um and so yeah i think that can play into board games a little bit um sort of finding that niche or identity and um but if you're talking about like ways they can get in i think the deck building stuff and just even like living card games, stuff that's a little more contained. Um, but yeah, it's just not not crazy. You're not going to sink a an insane. Think any of game that game. has tableaus, that has engine building, that has some type of combo mechanic built into it mm. um, for it. But it also sounds like, hey, we can play this game and then we can set it down and we can learn something new. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that could be something like, hey, you know, when you play Magic, that's all, for these people who are serious about it, you know, that's all they're doing. They're consumed. All we're playing, all we're knowing to play is Magic. But like, there's an entire world of different ways you can use your skills from Magic, but enjoy new themes, new settings, yeah. um, yep. new game designs. Okay, so the last one before we wrap up, is wargaming, and I don't know if you're super familiar with this, but John's been kind of getting into this more, and that is... Well, who do you like, think he's been playing with? You? 
Yes, me. Oh, okay. Yeah, John and I, we have been playing. Well, then here, you you should be an expert on this. So this is primary the 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 magic of gathering of wargaming is Warhammer, and it's been around for forever. Um, and essentially, what this is is little plastic army men that you have to clip off of a sprue usually, and it's like a hobby within a hobby. It's like a hob a game that you have to like build yourself, which is kind of the barrier that build a symbol paint. Yeah. Yep. So obviously my, my experience of this is limited to middle earth strategy, um, battle game, board game, mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, John's going to kill me for me- missing, messing <laughs> this up. Um, but it, it's very premise, very, very high, high top view of this is essentially most of the time it's two people. Sometimes you, they'll do like two V twos and large stuff, but a lot of times, uh, you'll get a set of a, a points, a point system, right? So mm-hmm. You'll see this in like Hero Clicks and HeroScape and stuff. And that just um, means basically it's a budget. It's a budget. Have, yeah. And you get to allocate that budget on the type of units you want. Um, uh, upgrades but on those units. Upgrades on those units, especially when you do like maybe something like X-Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but I think there's a lot of things that, you know, for someone, because there's, there's what we call it the Omni Gamer. I think John is very much an Omni Gamer in our group who enjoys everything. Um but there are some people who are just kind of just in the world of of uh, war gaming. these war gaming type stuff. Uh, but I think there's a lot of things coming from a world of board gaming into war gaming that like, and I see where the appeal. Then there's a couple of things that lose me a little bit. Uh, but one of that is here's a thousand points. It's arbitrary. You just say whatever number. But then you get to customize and create. Yeah. And so there's a lot of cre- creativity that can be allowed in that. Who are my leaders, or let's say who are my generals who have unique abilities because there's very basic where, okay, I have 20 units. You have 20 units. Let's run them together and let's just roll some dice, right? That's very low level. But what you have is you have different leaders or different bannermen who have different unique abilities or, or special powers that allow you to mitigate and modify things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of that that I see in other games who really enjoy. We even something like, you know, we talk about all the time, but we played Blood Rage again uh, last night. You know, yeah. there's the appeal of the miniatures, but there's a lot of, lot of strategy on how I comprise my units, how I comprise what I'm doing. Um, I guess, yeah, with the exception of chess, that is in role-playing where you get to create your own character. It's in Magic the Gathering or, you know, uh, collectible card games where you come into the game with your own deck and this one where you come in having, like, the game before the game is building your own army. And that, honestly, as someone who plays X-Wing, is one of the best parts about it. Yeah. Um, and then you have strategy. Which units do I place where? Like at the very beginning, a lot of times there's placement, how you set them up, mm-hmm. what units are my opponents using. And so there's a lot of that kind of back and forth mind games. Uh, for Obviously, the part that kind of gets me a little bit is, you know, dice rolling for combat. That's always going to get me. Yeah. Um, and the dice rolling stuff. simulates the battlefield, the sort of there's, there's a, random a, things that can lo- happen on the battlefield. Yep. And there are things you can do to mitigate it. Like I said, you have certain leaders that have like leadership points mm-hmm. and you can use those leadership points to modify the dice or allow yeah. something to happen or take certain damage without actually dying. And so there's, I think there, there are a lot of what it would, what it takes to be a war gamer and do well. A lot of the decision space can, I think could be very easily moved over into board gaming. Now, as, as someone who isn't huge in the world of war gaming, I don't know what the biggest barriers for them are. Um, it, I mean, it's, cause there's a lot also of also caught. It's there's, yeah, it's also cost. It's still 
very expensive. But there's uh, a lot of rules. I mean, there. Yeah. I almost say it's easier to learn a a, a board, a, a game, board yeah. game than it is to. Well, here is a. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a lifestyle. Yeah, because you know you find a a system that they usually is what they usually call it that you like, and then you just lean into it and you just you learn everything you can. And you kind of that faction yeah. usually has some sort of special. When John's walking around with two giant thick rule books and stuff for yeah, units yeah. and then there's general rules and then key terms. Shoo! Yeah. Let me and talk about speci- key terms. That's specifically for Warhammer. Um now there are lighter versions of war games, um, which is like X Wing I would consider one um and and X X Wing really bridges the gap between wargaming and board gaming. Um I think the genius behind it was that Fantasy Flight really broke down those barriers, the cost, the rules, the the like hobby building of having to put together stuff and paint it. Um, Fantasy Flight took a war game and then took all of that out of it. Uh, and for some people, that was a bad thing. For a lot of people, we were like, this is the war game I've been waiting for. Um, that was me. Another one that I would jump into is a song of ice and fire. The miniatures game. I think that's a little bit more of a hybrid, which is by Simon. And it mm-hmm. is sort of the same. So you'd have to put together the models. You would still have to paint them, but the rules are much more streamlined, uh, much more board game esque than war game esque. Yeah. So. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of bridges and stuff that you can, I mean, there's everything, a bridge between the two, something as simple as like a memoir 44, Mm-hmm. I think yeah. could be a very simple uh, you know, stuff thing, like X wings. I was going to say in like star Wars rebellion, I think can be kind of hybrid yeah. type games, but even something for me is like, if I want a war gaming feel as far as strategy and creativity, cause there's a lot of creativity, but yet still may have a little bit of a dice played into it. Twilight struggle, I think can still simulate a lot of the mental aspects of going into war gaming and positioning and everything like that. I don't know about that one. I think those that maybe just for me personally. Maybe that's just for me personally. Um, um, but I think there's there's a lot of skill that it takes and how you mentally see yeah. a game as a war gamer that I and think can apply to a lot of board games. You want something a little more strategic than Twilight Struggle? There's always Watergate. <laughs> Brady, you, you we pull, we broke out Watergate the other night and Lord of the Rings Confrontation, and you proceeded to destroy me in both. <laughs> Um, wow, Matthew, thank you for admitting it. I, made it. I had a hard day today, and you just you just cheered it right up. Yeah, and so I always have, <laughs> this my, my heart but hurts yeah, a little so, bit. So uh, board games really is sort of a hodgepodge of all of these things. If you are a war gamer or a collectible card gamer or a role player, you can find your board game, more or less. Like they, yeah. they like we got Oathsworn for the role players, and Gloomhaven, there's endless of ones of those. We've got your little sort of baby's first war games and we've got living card games we've got all kinds of deck builders so if you are if you find yourself in these communities or better yet if you have friends in these communities know that that they're welcome in the board game community and vice versa and if you can kind of boil it down into really what this you know we're kind of looking at what what really makes these different areas all they're always they're all under the aspect of gaming but what would you say that kind of of all these things makes board game different enough, but also different enough to be maybe appealing or willing to kind of draw someone in from these other kind of three realms of, of yeah, mm, that's tough. So there, I think these other things, like we said, take a little bit 
more of you, whether that is like finances or, um, or just like maybe a little bit more of a commitment. Um, where board gaming, unless you're crazy like us and you just have, you just want to buy all the games, you can really just get little tidbits of each one of these things. You can get the, like a little sampling of war gaming and a sampling of collectible garb games and sampling of, uh, what is it? Abstract strategy. Uh, yeah. Chess. Cause what I think to me appeals so much about board games is that I can take my knowledge of how these games work, but I can apply it to a hundred different games that give me a hundred different rewards and a uh, hundred different experiences. Experiences. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, there's still that constantly learning something new. Like we, and we have games that we love to go back to the well and try to master and then master again and then find something new and master. Like we have those type of games to where we love coming back to them and just digging into them. But then there's always something new to experience uh, and to learn. And sense of discovery, I think is a big appeal, um, which there, maybe there's a sense of appeal in these collectible card games and war gaming. We just haven't experienced but to me, yeah. board there's game, always those highs of cracking open a new booster pack and oh hoping you just get the Charizard or the have you have you seen Black Lotus? Are you you're probably not big into like sports video gaming. I used to be huge, oh, love sports God. video gaming. Middle school, high school. What but, are, what are they called? The but, ones that they release the same game every year and well, there's like the Madden is the big one FIFA. for that. Yeah. yeah, the FIFA. But essentially, all those things have turned into is like digital casinos yeah. to where like to build <laughs> where you called, get players you they're get called players. your ultimate team so you you buy packs with real world money so you pay 80 90 bucks for a video game that was exactly the same as the video game last year <laughs> but now you have to respend all your money on booster packs to create a new ultimate team in yeah. the same game but we re changed the name on it we added an extra number to the year it's it's a it's a really it's a really nasty, dirty system. Definitely not board gaming. Definitely not board gaming. <laughs> uh, but it, it's almost it 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 um, uh, feeds into people's almost addictions or addictive personality because you have to spend money to open a pack to hopefully get a player. You may get your player, but that player may not have the ratings that are as good. Oh, you you got a uh, you got Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady in, in this pack is only eighty seven. You got to get the ninety nine Tom Brady. So you got to spend another five thousand dollars opening packs. Um, and those collectible card games, man, you just you you just you oh, hear yeah. the opening of that seal, and it's almost like a little high. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's kind of funny. We're going on a little bit of a tangent here, but there's a lot of YouTube channels that popped up. Your boy, what is his name? Logan Paul? Is it Logan? He's not my. Well, first, definitely not my boy. Um, <laughs> oh, he's your boy. No, not but at all. he. A lot of these people do like pack opening videos and well, i think it there is there are people who those, do specifically that's their entire channel yeah, and they yeah. open like i spent twenty thousand dollars for this rare uh, pokemon uh starter set box are we gonna pull it yeah we're gonna open. I and i think that really i think that really feeds into those people who sort of have that uh addictive personality but maybe their wallet is run out but they sort of can vicariously live through this person who's opening this booster pack or whatever yeah, I think I've told you about this before. There are entire YouTube channels. I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole. Sometimes YouTube will suggest a video for you to watch, and then two hours later, you're still watching them. But there is, I don't know what you call them, but they're the machines where you drop a coin in them or a quarter in them. The, the coin drops down, and it's like a push machine, right? Yeah, the yeah. coin goes back and forth. And there are people who have entire YouTube channels where they have... Crazy, vers like Japanese versions of this? Well, not even Japanese. They're American versions. But what they do is they they buy one, you know, go online, spend however much money, buy one. And then you open them up and they create all kinds of like 
giant towers of coins and iPhones and all these rewards. And then they simulate a 30 minute video of them playing the game, trying to win the re these rewards. And they're playing sounds that makes it sound like they're in a casino. And if someone didn't realize it, they're like, wow, this person is really at a casino about to win this huge jackpot prize that these kind of push machines and stuff. And it's like crazy. But all of it is, is this entertainment. They just have set it up. Huh? Like they have just set this up to make it look like they're, you know. Yeah, it's like, they're, like someone is videoing them just about to win like the greatest and it's like 30 yeah. minutes of this and literally all it is is for people to watch and gain entertainment of someone gambling yeah. with just insane stuff and winning like twenty thousand dollars but it's not it's not really twenty thousand dollars like fake it's they put poker chips in there like yeah, a yeah, ten thousand yeah. dollar giant square kind of chip that you can cash in and redeem and yeah, yeah. they put bitcoins in there they put actual bitcoins how in. did they, they they took them out of the computer well, it's it's, it's a metal coins. it's a metal gold coin that you can turn cash in for an actual it's crazy stuff but yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff I've exists seen, out there. I haven't seen like manipulative. I've seen like it was just one hilarious video of these two guys doing this crazy Japanese one where they you drop a coin in and it just does all of this wild stuff. Well, they call like those plinko or yeah. uh, what is it like those little like metal balls that you get like a bucket yes. of. Yeah, yeah. And you throw them in there. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but let, let us know what your thoughts like. What are things that, you know, think that are maybe you think some of these are part of board gaming or maybe you think they're they're different. But it's not about, you know, hey, you're different to us. But it's like you know, identifying like you offer something with different with board gaming versus role playing versus collectible card games that maybe are different than board gaming. But maybe we have something that could entice you to enjoy board gaming more because i think we can identify i identify things in collectible card games and dungeon and dragons type games and war gaming that are appealing so like i see the appeal like i wish i kind of get in more in that maybe i'm just not good enough or it maybe just doesn't speak to me but i think vice versa there's there's ways that fans of can cross over into the other kind of areas of gaming and anything you can we can do to i know people say it all the time they say evangelize the hobby right uh, but anything that we can do to grow the board gaming community, I think, is a good thing. Um, yeah. Because I think, you know, board gaming is something that can help people all the way from your families, uh, people who feel isolated. I know there are people who do board games to to work with people in, in mental health facilities, like with dealing with anxiety or depression or social issues with social distancing and different things like that to where they have a hard time connecting with people yeah. um there there are i've seen because my background's in healthcare i've seen you know people using board gamings in just hospitals with with children and things like that and people are use it i hear stories of people doing a gaming on their first dates or there you know there's so many aspects that gaming can be used in social constructs and education uh there's entire uh publishers that focus on educational based board gamings uh, and I think so many ways board gaming can help people grow in a lot of different aspects of this, them as individuals. Because um, as the good Cole Worley talks about in his, um, a lot of his TED Talks is that competition is an aspect of life. Whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, you know, it's just it's in the nature. Oh, and knowing how to interact with people in a job place or whatever it may be. Like nothing you can, like we talk about all the time, you, you want to see someone shut down and just like drop the facade that they're putting on about how they do in social s situations, bring out a game. It doesn't have to be like a quote unquote board game, just a, a, a situation that maybe pushes them out of their comfort zone. And you just see just, just like snap a finger, just like there's a different person there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, board gamings can be, I think it's just a, a really cool tool. Um, and so any, any way that we can say, Hey, this is something board gaming can offer uh, you that appeals to wargaming, Dungeons and Dragons, 
collectible card games. I think it's always a plus. Um, quote unquote evangelize the hobby. <laughs> um, are there any other kind of new games? I know um, I, I snagged a um, a copy of Arkwright, the out of print Arkwright. Uh, have you looked much into this game? No. So most recently it was it was uh, Capstone Games, the publisher, and this is very much if you look up the photos of it, it's very much in the in the veins of a city of the big shoulders. Um, but it's less, I think maybe it's less on the worker placement and stuff, more on the kind of economy engine building um, for it. But it should be here by the Saturday this weekend. Not that we're playing it anytime soon, but... We have so many games, Matthew. You got to slow down, brother. Now, one game I haven't bought that, but John is really pushing me on is, have you seen the new... John's pushing you on it? He's pushing me really hard on this. <laughs> you know, there's there's Pokemon card games, there's Pokemon, like the OG board game with the little disc and stuff. But there is a new game that seems to be like, you uh, want like yeah, a, yeah. an actual board game of Pokemon it's called Robo Okay, This is so silly. You guys were hyping this game up to no end. This if this game shelled out the money for the Pokemon IP, then I'm all for it. But you can't come at me with Robomon and expect me to back something like that. But this essentially is Pokemon and like es- essentially es- Pokemon. It is essentially Pokemon. Everything no, from the art. Robomon. It's well, it's Pokemon in the sense of like the nineties um Game Boy type aesthetic from the art and the fonts and the creatures and everything. Don't waste your money. <sighs> Brady, have you ever wanted to play a Pokemon board game where you can you, battle in different did arenas? You, did you play Pokemon when you were a kid? Did you play red and blue? I did not. Have to choose? Okay. I didn't own it. What are we it, talking about here? But I played it on other friends' stuff. No. And I watched Pokemon the movie. Did well, you 2001. Have to choose between getting Charmander or Squirtle? Because no one got Bulbasaur. No, but I cried. When Pikachu was trying to save Ash after he was caught, <laughs> he got awoken by the tears by Mewtwo. Yeah, by yeah, the pure the tears of Pikachu. Yeah, yep. And Mewtwo what was I think John or David said the other day is like Mewtwo realized that even though it's not the situation of your birth that defines you, but who you are. Yeah, it's a powerful I powerful still, movie, and I loved it as a yeah, kid. You know, we were talking about Pokemon cards. I still have my ancient Mew that I got when I went to go see that movie. But what if you could play Ancient Mew in a board game? No, you can't because <laughs> I would play Robo Mew or whatever his name would be. No, so, this is a hard pass. So correct. So this is a very adjacent, but it's like Pokemon, but they're kind of robots. And so it's a one to two player game. You think I should pass on it? Hard pass. But it comes with a leather book that you can keep all your cards in just like you no, did as a kid. No. Ugh. Pass on that one, Matthew. It's no, it's hundred no. only hundred twenty five dollars for the game, the expansion, and deluxe components. Nope. Pass on it. Okay. On it. The last thing I just want to mention is that for any uh, Lacerda fans, uh, there is a new title in the works that's coming from Eagle Griffin Games with the art by Ian O'Toole, the great Ian O'Toole. Even you, Brady, you have to appreciate our Ian O'Toole's artwork, right? I know you're not a big Lacerda fan, but there's a new game. Uh, it's listed as t- for 2023, and it's called Inventions Evolution Ideas. Um, and the main kind of... Did you ever play Weather Machine? I'm waiting for it to show up on my door. It hasn't showed up yet? No, it and hasn't. And you're talking about the next one? That's right. Oh, my Because I have a addiction, and it's called board games. <laughs> and you don't even have to open a booster pack. <laughs> I just have to pay imaginary money for an imaginary game. But essentially, is it's like a procession of of inventions throughout human history weather machine was the weather machine is like an alternate like steampunk early 1900s late 1800s and you're trying to create these weather machines 
Um, so that's coming. And then Arc Nova's official first expansion. We got the new map packs, but they have an expansion called Aquarius. And so, as the title is, when there's is the di- when's the dinosaur version going to come out? I don't know. I'm going to send them a letter uh, about it. But essentially, this is bringing sea life. Uh, sea animals and creatures into the game, all focused about having water attractions and exhibits in your zoos. There's a new um, fourth university, but it adds in alternate action cards and it incorporates a mechanic to where you are essentially drafting action cards that you're going to have available to you for the game. And I know that's one thing we've talked about, like, like the big thing that really has, has kind of been hesitant on this game for some of you all, it's like, you know, in, in Terraforming Mars, even though we're not buying all the cards, you're drafting cards that you can buy from. And you feel like you have a little bit more control over creating your system and synergies of card. Whereas in Arc Nova, you just kind of have to almost play them as you come, which I don't necessarily don't like. You I mean, you have to, for me, it's a challenge of playing the game as you go and being uh, able to adapt to it. But this may add in some more of that little bit control and draft mechanics that we like. Um, and so I think it's interesting. I'm definitely going to pick it up. I can whatever I have to do to kind of bribe you into playing <laughs> uh, Arc Nova again. I just want you to play uh, Age of Atlantis with us or Guards of Atlantis. Age of Atlantis. Age of Atlantis with us again. I would play Arc Nova before I played that game. Um, I mean, I I didn't I, I Arc Nova was n- not nearly as good as it was hyped up to be, but it was still really good. Yeah. Well, anything that I can do to get you to play more zoo themed games is always a plus but animal miniatures that's right well we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline uh so keep an ear out from some reviews and we're gonna be posting some pictures crazy pictures of unboxing all this oshorn stuff but uh that's gonna be it for this week's episode as always i'm matthew i'm brady and this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase, phase. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Discussion Phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at the Discussion Phase for recent playthroughs and reviews. And you can also join us on Discord with the link below and let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks, everybody.